Welcome everyone. My name is Emma Ruby and I am the host today. Thank you for tuning into our new VHSC podcast initiative, So You Don't Want to Be a Doctor. The aim of this series is to shed light on career paths outside of medicine and to be a resource to fellow VHSC students. Through this initiative, we hope to pique new interests, help break down the VHSC stereotype, and provide tangible advice to students who are thinking of exploring different post-undergrad pathways. With that said, let me first introduce you to our guest today. So this guest is very special to me because she is actually my sister, Laura Ruby. While she did not graduate from the BHSE program, she has pursued an interesting career path that she will speak more to and that hopefully our listeners can also find useful to hear. So Laura, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to have this conversation today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, so why don't we start off with a bit of an introduction, if you want to tell us about yourself. Yeah, so like Emma said, my name is Laura. Um, I am 26 years old, and I am an occupational therapist. I graduated um, with my master's of occupational therapy at McMaster, actually, in August 2020. Um, So I am a newer grad. I've been working for a bit over a year now. Awesome. Yeah, so if you could tell us more about, you know, your day-to-day life now, um, you you know, in terms of what you're doing in your role as an OT. Yes, yeah. So, um, well, I guess I'll kind of take a step back first. When I graduated from the program, um, I had been doing my last placement at the Canadian Mental Health Association, um, working in early intervention psychosis. Um, So I had actually taken on a bit more of a different role. I was doing occupational therapy, but I was considered a mental health clinician. And I I got hired um, out of that placement and had worked there for a year in that role. Um, And then recently had moved on to um, pediatrics, which is something I had always wanted to do and um, had kind of pushed me in the direction of, of occupational therapy in the first place. So now I'm currently an occupational therapist at Kids Ability. Um, in Kitchener-Waterloo, and um, I work in the school years program supporting um, children with mainly physical disabilities that need equipment um, or some sort of rehabilitation. Um, And then along with that role, I also run a picky eating clinic once a week and a check-in clinic, which looks at a lot of um, kind of self-care skills, independent um, skills for um, young children. That's awesome. I actually didn't know that you were running that clinic. <laughs> Do you want to speak more to that or, or kind of, um, yeah, how, how the two, that role kind of differs from the other aspect of the role that you're in? I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so my main role, like I said, is, is kind of working with those kids with physical disabilities um, and they would be considered on sort of my individual targeted level. Um, and that's, you know, we were looking at what they need in order to um, be accommodated in both home and community life. Um, So that's where my main focus is. But we've had a lot of families come in and say, you know, my kid doesn't have um, a physical disability of any kind, but, you know, they might have a developmental um, disability. So um, autism spectrum disorder, global delay, intellectual disability, ADHD, and their parents are just looking for some support to kind of help with some of those um, activities of daily living. So one thing that we've noticed that comes up a lot, especially with children um, with autism spectrum disorder, that picky eating is a, is a big concern. 
Um, and we're, we're not at the capacity where we can support them at an individual level and, and provide more of that hands-on direct therapy. Um, but so we did created these clinics with the idea that it's more of a consultative model. Um, so all, all virtual, which had started in COVID, um, where we would meet with families over Zoom and talk about some of those concerns and provide some suggestions um, with a follow-up in a few months to see how things are going. And we could provide between one to three sessions just to support them with some of the things that, um, or the challenges they're facing with their children. Yeah, I'm impressed with all that you're doing. Um, so how do you like, you know, your, your work environment and working at KidsAbility? I, I really love it. Um, I think right now it's, it's hard to say because it's so new and um, we've been in a pandemic for the last two and a half years. So I, I, would, I would just say that I love having kind of a hybrid mix, going into the office a little bit and then being able to work from home on those clinic days where we're kind of doing that more consultative model. Um, but I definitely, I think the best part about the job is the in-person time. Um, and so I really look forward to the days that I'm either going to a family's home um, to kind of look at their, their house setup and recommend some equipment for their home, or if I'm going into the office and, you know, we're working on a very specific targeted goal, like maybe some um, hand um, strengthening exercises prior to a surgery, um, things like that. Those are kind of the things that I look forward to the most um, in my role. Oh, that's amazing. Um, so switching gears a little bit, just kind of uh, wanted to ask, why did you choose to go into OT? I know you kind of mentioned it at the beginning, but if you want to elaborate on that a little. Yeah. Um, so when I was in my undergrad, I was actually specializing in um, a social work type um, undergrad degree. So it was called social development studies with a specialization in the social work realm. And I really thought um, in my undergrad that I would go on to becoming a social worker, um, but something about it didn't feel completely right to me. I, I felt like I wanted to be kind of doing more hands-on things um, instead of just kind of supporting people from like an emotional um, perspective or I guess emotional lens, I would say. Um, and then I, when I was in my undergrad, I was, um, working as a personal support worker at the time and had been able to connect with OTs through that role in kind of various settings and different contexts. Um, and then I realized that I, that, that kind of gravitated towards my interests a little bit more, mainly because occupational therapy is so broad um, and that there's so many different kind of avenues or roles you can go down with that. Cause I could focus on mental health, which I did for a year at the Canadian Mental Health Association or I could work with kids, or I can work in home care. I could work in a hospital. Um, you know, I could work in many different settings. And if I was finding that, you know, at one point I get bored of, of one setting that I could look in other um, avenues. So I think that was kind of the main thing for me is just that like the endless possibilities um, and the creativity involved in occupational therapy. Uh, you know, you can use some of that psychotherapy that we learn in school associated with OT, but you also like learn to kind of research and do things on your own and say, okay, this is your problem right now. I don't have the answer, but I'm gonna find the answer and then we're gonna work on this together and see what works and what doesn't work. Um, it, it kind of, you know, when I look at a, a job for myself in the future, I wanna always be 
um, challenged. I want to be presented with new problems. I don't want it to be the same thing day after day. And um, that was kind of the main drive I had towards occupational therapy. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I think something with occupational therapy that often people have questions about is, is what is it? And I think you touched on that very well. You know, it, it does provide a lot of breadth. Um, so you mentioned a bit about your undergrad, but what other, you know, did you go directly into OT post undergrad? What, what else did you kind of explore? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, and so this is what I was saying about, you know, I, I wasn't totally sure if social work was the um, direction I wanted to go or if occupational therapy was or something else. So I did take a year off um, between my undergrad and my master's thinking that maybe I would take more time off depending, but I wanted to give myself that year to work a little bit in kind of this area and really decide what would be best for myself and apply to different schools and different programs um, and, and just see what happens. And, and kind of that's how I actually ended up deciding, you know, what I, what I wanted to do was I thought if I got accepted into one program, that might be the decision for me. So I took a year off. Um, I actually ended up working at Kids Ability where I currently am now, but in a different role at working as an autism assistant in their behavioral, behavioral services program. Um, you know, it was a simple job. I enjoyed it. I, um, I, I did a lot of material prep and support with the kiddos at lunchtime, um, but I knew it wasn't a long-term thing for me, but I was, again, able to connect with social workers and occupational therapists through that role. Um, I also part-time was working as a day facilitator for a young couple um, with developmental, developmental disability and um, kind of helping them come up with ways to foster their relationship and supporting them in that, which was um, a job I will never forget and will probably be one of my, my favorite um, jobs I've ever had, to be honest. And I think that alone in itself was really that driving force to say, okay, I think occupational therapy is what I wanna do because that role gave me opportunities to um, you know, use that creativity and support them in what was meaningful to them, which at the end of the day, that's what occupational therapy is. And maybe I, maybe I didn't touch on it too much the first time, but, um, you know, with occupational therapy, people sometimes view it as one very specific thing. But if you think of the word occupation, the definition in itself is the act of doing or doing something. So an occupational therapist, I always think about, you know, we're focused on helping people do the things that are meaningful to them. And so that could be many things that could be work related, that could be school related, um, but there's more beyond that, right? There's fostering relationships like this state facilitator role that I had, um, you know, there's um, kind of working towards like a certain activity or, or recreational activity um, or being able to even just take the bus and learning how to take the bus so you can independently go to your grocery shopping. Um, all those things, or anything you can really think of falls under that lens. And so I, I just wanted to, I know that that wasn't the question, but kind of point out that that is what occupational therapy is. Um, it's really just helping people do the things that are important to them. No, that was, that was fantastic. Um... That was kind of my next question. Are there any stereotypes or any myths that you would like to debunk about um, occupational therapy? So thank you for answering that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I can even touch on that a little bit more too. Like I even think with the myth, and I, I did touch on this a little bit, but 
um, people look at occupational therapy and they automatically think we're, we're similar to guidance counselors, right? Where we um, are focusing on helping people return to work, um, find employment. And, and don't get me wrong, that is a huge um, piece depending on what practice area you're in. So when I was a mental health clinician at the Canadian Mental Health Association, working with people who've experienced psychosis, um, it was a lot of focus on returning back to school or returning back to work and finding accommodations to allow them to do that. But we forget that there's so many important activities in our life that um, go beyond the work, the work realm. And so I've, I think pediatrics is such a great example of how broad it can be. Um, because there, especially in that area, there's so many different aspects to it, right? So it's how, how can you do your self-care how can you um, engage in social time with friends and family or recreational activities? Um, how are you playing? How are you using your hands to do things? How's school going? Like you're looking at kind of the whole person. Um, often a model that occupational therapists use is called the PEO model, person, environment, and occupation. So you look at those person factors, their environment, is their environment set up for success for them? Um, and then the occupation, the things that they're doing, is that going to um, support them in, in other aspects of their life? So kind of looking at it that way, I think people can get so focused in as OT is really just focusing on work related um, concerns, but it, it's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. You're really passionate about it. So yeah, it's good to hear you kind of speak more to that. So thank you. Yeah. Um, just looking at my questions here. What are, so you talked a lot about, you know, the, the benefits of occupational therapy for the people receiving that kind of therapy and also things that you've enjoyed working in the field. Are there any downsides though, to, um, you know, through what you've experienced or just the, the profession in general? That's, yeah, that's a good question. Cause I, you know, every role has their challenges. I don't want to paint it like it's, it's sunshines and rainbows. I think, you know, one of the, the challenges is also kind of one of the positives though. Um, you know, I talked about there's so, there's so much room to be creative. There's a lot of room to kind of switch gears and, and focus on something else, depending on what setting you're in. Like if you're in the hospital and you're on um, an acute care unit, you're really focused on just getting them um, the equipment that they need to go home and, and be at home safely and, and do their self-care needs. Um, you might be practicing um, putting on their socks and, and seeing that they can do that independently or, or things like that. Um, but then you could be switching gears completely if you're in mental health. And like I said, maybe it's more that return to work, return to school, um, developing those um, kind of life skills, like how to take the bus, um, which is very different. So that can be great, but it also means that it, you don't learn everything in school. And the one thing I like about the McMaster program in particular, and, and for people who are in health science at Mac, they probably get this um, too, where it's problem-based learning. Um, so we were taught in school, we were taught how to learn, learn things. And we didn't necessarily learn everything we needed to know about OT, but we were given the tools um, or we've developed the skills and the tools to um, find the answers to problems. So with this new role that I'm in, I would definitely say I'm still learning for sure every single day. And 
talking to my clinical manager who's been um, at Kids Ability for over 15 years has also said, I continue to learn things every day, um, which can be challenging, right? Some days you're just like, I just wish I just knew the answer and I didn't have to go and do the research for it. Um, so I'd say in that sense, we're, we graduate the program to be generalists and not um, kind of focus on a specific stream, which I think is different from um, med school where eventually you do specialize, right? Um, in OT, there's never an opportunity to specialize. We are generalists when we graduate and depending on what role we're in, we're gonna probably have to learn a lot of new things on the job after we graduate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes you very malleable. You can kind of adapt to different environments, different professions and roles that you're in. So I think those are all very transferable skills and um, yeah, it sounds like the Mac program prepared you well. So that's awesome to hear. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I chose Mac. Cause I, I knew that there's just so much to know, um, and that I won't know everything when I graduate. So how I just wanted to develop the skills to be able to problem solve a little bit better, which mm -hmm. I think um, can really set people up, um, for success for that. Yeah. Thank you for speaking to all that. Cause I know, um, a fair number of graduates from the BHSE program do go into OT. And I know the OT program at Mac is very uh, well established and um, a very good program. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit, you talked a little bit about how Mac OT has prepared you. So that's awesome. So what was the application process like? Yeah, so I'll have to think kind of back to um, what it looked like. So. McMaster was the only school that um, did an, a, a series of interviews, the MMI, um, which I think if you're from McMaster, you might be a bit familiar with. They were the only school that did that. Um, other schools required like an essay and had a few questions related to occupational therapy. And I can't fully remember off the top of my head, but I believe that McMaster also had those questions. But in addition to that, um, they had offered interviews. Um, the interviews were offered, I think, based off of um, what your grades looked like in your undergrad. Um, and all schools kind of consider that as well. Um, but yeah, so like I said, McMaster had the MMI. Um, and that was one of the reasons why I actually chose McMaster, because I thought, you know, to be an occupational therapist, to work in any helping health profession, um, it's important to have those, those people skills and be able to communicate with people um, explain your reasoning. Um, and I, I felt that because they had that MMI, if I got, if I got an offer from McMaster after that MMI, I would know I'd be working with people who had those same communication skills, which was really important to me, um, in my master's, but that, that's a bit of a side note, but I just wanted to, to say that, mm -hmm. um, that MMI was, um, yeah, a series of mini interviews, um, where, you know, we were in a group of people and um, there was, we went down a hallway and um, we were all put in front of a door with a question where we had a few minutes to read over the question and figure out how we were going to answer it and then go into the room and um, answer it with the person in there that was kind of, I guess, um, scoring us in a sense. Um, the people that were doing the interviews consisted of professors from um, the program at McMaster, as well as I think some occupational therapists, some clinicians um, from the area, um, which is great because I think that combination is really important, right? The, the OTs that maybe don't have that um, academic lens as much, but have that, you know, practical skills um, that that lens for themselves was um, important to kind of balance it out. 
Now, I, I don't fully remember the questions, and, and even if I did, I don't think it'd be fair to share them. But um, what I will say about that process is that, you know, for, for anyone who already goes to McMaster knows that they're, they're really looking to see, like, how do you think? So it's not about what is a right or wrong answer. They're looking to see um, what, how, how you explain your reasoning and, and kind of what your thoughts are and, and how you get from point A to point B to point C. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I would recommend, and I think what worked for me is don't talk for the sake of talking, but, but try to elaborate as much as possible. Try to look at other possibilities. You don't even need to come to a conclusion in some questions. You can just, you know, explain your reasoning and say, if, if it were this situation, maybe I would go this route. If it was this, I would do this. Um, sometimes they're not very specific questions either. It might just be um, a question um, related to a broader topic. Um, and it's more to just have a discussion. And I would say not to be too, too nervous about it. Depending on, on who is interviewing you, there are um, occupational therapists, clinicians, or professors that um, it will be more of a dialogue. So a conversation, they may ask you some probing questions and then that's not anything to be afraid of either. Don't be worried that you missed something. They might just wanna challenge you a bit more and see how you can take that challenge too. Um, you know, it's, I, I don't wanna make it sound like it was an easy process because it's definitely stressful. Um, but, you know, I, I, see, I see this as a really effective way of um, making sure that the people that are in the program all kind of think in the same way, are able to problem solve, are able to collaborate. Um, and that's what I think McMaster does really well. Yeah, when you were just saying that, I was thinking back to um, when you were preparing for your interviews. I think I remember so clearly you and I were sitting in the living room. I was, I was you know, acting as the interviewer yeah. um, as you prepared and yeah, having you answer questions, so. Well, and you know what, that's a good point too. Like I, I think, um, this is jumping ahead too, but for any program, if you apply and you have an interview, it's, it's really important to practice. Um, and I, I did that with you, but I also, um, I used um, the resources at my university. So I was at the University of Waterloo at the time, but I'm sure most universities have this where um, you can use them, the career center and um, you know the guidance counselors and book a time to just practice a mock interview. Um, most schools would do that and they have kind of those types of questions that are would be in an MMI. And then um, you can talk about it and they'll give you some feedback after. And I would recommend that to anyone because I think it's just changing the way um, um, you, you have an interview, right? Because um, you're really just trying to kind of explain your thought process. And um, there are some tips and, and tricks to that too that um, other like colleagues, friends, family could provide, but especially the guidance counselors and people working in uh, the career center. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great advice. I know there are some opportunities in our program to do those practice MMIs or to have kind of practice sessions um, for interviewing. So uh, hopefully people can take advantage of those. Um, I have, I guess, one more, more specific question. So what would be your, I guess it's not that specific, but what would be your biggest advice to current fourth years who are thinking of OT or maybe going through the application process right now? Um, yeah, if, or if you could tell your fourth year self something, what would you tell yourself? Huh. I guess I, I'll answer this in maybe two parts, because I think the first part, before even thinking about applying to school, my recommendation would be if, if you're not 100% sure and you're not like, this is exactly what I want to do, I need to do it right now, 
I really recommend taking some time off. I think that's one of my, my biggest regrets um, from high school, even to my undergrad was that I didn't take a year off. I ended up switching programs multiple times before I found something I really did love. And it ended up not even being the, the kind of path that I chose because it was social work. And then I went into occupational therapy, which I, I love now. And I have no regrets in that. But I think taking that time off to really um, give yourself the time to reflect and think, what do I want? Um, talk to different um, clinicians or different health professionals, um, get different experiences and take the time to apply, right? Sometimes school can be stressful enough. And I, I had decided, I'm so glad that I did to take that year off to apply. So I wasn't trying to apply on top of trying to keep up my grades so that I would get into the master's programs that I wanted to. And I think that's a really important aspect. For the people that know 100%, you know, I want to do this. I want to do it right now. Um, my advice for you is to, I would say, I would say like not, not give up and not be down if you don't um, get accepted the first time around. Um, many people in my program said it was their third or second or fourth time applying. Um, and, you know, it, part of that is, is building up some experience too, if, if you don't get in the first time. And I'm sure for, for many people who are applying to different health professions, like this, it, this isn't just for OT, this kind of goes um, all around for, for any master's program you're applying to, but know that it's perfectly um, acceptable and actually quite typical for you to not get accepted to every program you want the first time around. Um, and that, you know, you can look at it in a sense of now I have a bit more time to really think about what I want and to really um, kind of narrow down on my applications. Um, so I think there's silver linings in all of that. I know it can be a really stressful experience. It was for me. Um, I, I remember having many breakdowns and even trying to decide at the end of, of which program I wanted to go into um, because it's a big decision, right? Um, even more so than your undergrad, because if you're um, specifying in something for your master's, um, you know, that that is kind of the career path you choose. So just take your time with it. Very good advice. I, I appreciate you sharing that and shedding some light for current fourth years, so. All right, well, that brings us to the end of this interview. So again, thank you so much, Laura, for sharing your experiences and expertise with us today. Um, do you have any final thoughts or things you would like to add, you know, before we fully wrap up? You know, I'm, I'm trying to think of something that would be like, yeah, like choose OT. But um, I think just like I said before, something I would emphasize is um, if you like to be creative, if you, um, if you like to have, if you have a bunch of different interests and, um, you know, you're worried about specializing in something very particular, I think OT would be a great thing to look into because there's so many possibilities. So I just emphasize that, that it's, it's a great way to keep things interesting on the job and to still help people and, um, provide different, different forms of therapy. Yeah, sounds good. And hopefully some of our listeners can um you know take your advice and, and find it useful so that's great to hear um so this brings us to the end of this week's podcast um so again thank you laura and for our listeners stay tuned for more episodes in the coming weeks where we explore different career paths and different professions uh for bhse grads as well as from all over really so yeah stay tuned for more yeah, thanks for having me 
Thanks for joining us today and a huge shout out to our guest speakers for sharing their story as well as the fourth year council interviewers who made this possible. If you enjoyed this episode, stay tuned for more in this series coming out every Friday of the week for the remainder of winter 2022. Until next time, stay safe and take care.